Now this morning, I have a random question for you. If you are traveling by airplane, how many of you prefer the, to sit next to the window? How many of you prefer the window seat? Are there any window seats, people? Like, okay, put your hands down. How many of you prefer the aisle? Any aisle people? Yes, they have to go to the bathroom so much, I'd rather sit in the aisle. Does anybody like to sit in the middle? No, I think, I think like sitting in the middle seat is like preparing you for hell. You just can't move, you can't do anything. You're trapped forever. Yes, no, no. Awesome. Thank you for settling that for me. If you are new with us, we are finishing up our series, Selfless. In the selfish community, not just community, life, culture that we live in, to be selfless is what God has called us to do, is who God has called us to be, to be selfless. You know, and as we're preparing for this series, we research about selfishness. So what, you know, what is selfishness? And believe it or not, there is an article out there that says, science shows us we are selfish. And I'm like, I don't need science to tell me we're selfish. All I have to do is go shopping during Christmas time. Have you ever have to teach a two-year-old to be selfish? It's like, okay, buddy, today we're not going to study the ABCs, okay? I'm going to teach you how to be selfish. I'm going to take your toy, and when I do, I want you to scream at the top of your lungs, mine! I did not have to teach my kids that. They came up with it on their own. Why? Because we are selfish creatures. We were born selfish. Now, studies show Guys, this is science, okay? Don't get mad at me. It's science. That men are more naturally selfish than women. I know, I know. Women are like, yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> men are wired to be more stimulated by self-centered desires. Women, on the other hand, are more likely to get a dopamine rush or release whenever they do something for other people. Now, I know you're thinking, well, men are wired to survive. You are wired to go and conquer and shoot something and kill it and provide. And women, we are wired to nurture and to care and to give and to grow, right? Now, guys, so just the guys, how many of you like to work out? You like to stay in shape? You like to, yeah, thank you, just one, two, three people, awesome. It gets worse. Studies show that bigger muscles lead to smaller hearts. So men who are in better physical shape tend to be a little bit more selfish than those that just drive by the gym and go to the donut place. Again, don't get mad at me. I didn't say it. It's science. So why am I telling you this? Ladies, don't marry a guy who likes the window seat and who works out a lot. I think I just told myself not to marry Jason, y'all. Why? Now, listen, ladies, we are not off the hook. Studies also show that women are extremely selfish when it comes to chocolate. When it comes to chocolate, it's every woman for herself. Studies show that if you and a friend are somewhere together and there is a piece of chocolate cake and you have a chance of getting a bigger piece or a smaller piece, you will stab your friend with a fork and get the bigger piece. 
See? I'm like, yes, right? Why? It's chocolate. It is cake. Back off. I saw the biggest piece first. If you get the choice, pick the bigger piece. If the cake fits, eat it. So we have been talking about selfless. And today we're going to be covering extravagant in generosity. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, darn, I picked the generosity Sunday to come to. What more can be said about being generous? Well, apparently a lot. Because this morning, we're going to look at Proverbs 21, 26. Proverbs 21, 26. And it says, all day long, the lazy and the selfish craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. I want you to listen to that. All day long, the lazy and the selfish craves and craves. But the righteous, who are the righteous? Christ's followers, Jesus' followers, they give and they don't hold back. When was the last time that you gave and didn't hold back? When was the last time you gave extravagantly? When you were irrationally generous? When did it happen? Listen. It's difficult for us to be irrationally generous. And today we're going to explore three different mindsets of why we struggle with generosity. The first one is the bag mindset. The bag mindset says there is never enough in the bag. There is never enough in the bag. Now, I don't know about you, but we grew up that way. There was never enough in the bag. I can remember asking my parents for things or wanting to do things, and they would just say, there is not enough money. We can't do that. There is not enough. That is the bag mindset. There is never enough. And now, in the Bible, it gives us an example of, of God's people when they went through something like this. They didn't put God first. And it's in Haggai 1, verse 6. And it says, you eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. And that's how most Americans live. What do you hear? We live from paycheck to paycheck. There is never enough. If you are wondering which mindset you have, Here's an easy clue for you. If you find yourself constantly saying, I can't afford to, I would give more, but we would love to tithe, but there's just not enough money in the bag. There is not enough money in the bag. The way we speak reveals if we have a bag mindset. Money doesn't grow on trees. We will have to go without. She gets all the breaks. I work just as hard. We never have enough. This is my chocolate, my window seat, my time, my money, my bag. And there's never enough in it. 
Do you want to know who in the Bible had a bag? Judas. Judas had a bag. And there was never enough in it. Let me show you why. In the Bible, there's a story. There's this woman who was most likely a prostitute that she was redeemed by Christ. She goes, she finds him, and she's carrying a jar. And inside this jar is a very expensive perfume. Perfume. See? Oh, my gravy. I am from East Texas, and it just showed. That was a Mexican East Texas, y'all. Perfume. There we go. Dear Lord. This perfume was the equivalent of what you and I would earn in a year. So think about annual income, what you make in a year. That's how much that jar was worth. And she is so thankful to God, she comes and she breaks it open and pours it over him. She does not hold back. She doesn't crack it open and just pour a little bit on Jesus. She did not hold back. She gave extravagantly. She broke that thing, poured it all on Jesus. And Judas, who had the bag, gets mad and is like, you stupid woman, what are you thinking? You could have sold it and given the money to the poor. But see, before it got to the poor, first it went into Judas's bag. And his bag didn't have enough. The Bible tells us that he's the one that carried the bag and used to take out money from it for himself. Can you believe it? He was stealing from Jesus. He was. And his bag never had enough. A couple of days after this, he's the one that goes and betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver because his bag never had enough. It's the I never have enough bag. There's never enough. It doesn't matter what it is, there is never enough. The second mindset is the basket mindset. And I really love this one. If you look at De Deuteronomy 28, 2 and 5, it says all of these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Your basket and your kneading thorough will always be blessed. Okay, this is the basket mindset. The basket mindset says there is enough. See, what you keep, that's all that you will ever have. But what you give, God can multiply. So what you keep, that's all you can ever have. If you're keeping it, that's it, buddy. So sorry. But if you give it, God can multiply it. And listen, God tells us this. If we go to the New Testament in Luke 6.38, it says, Give, and it'll be given back to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Now, the people that Jesus was talking to, they understood this principle. See, back then, rich people who owned a lot of land and they farmed, they would leave uh, crops behind so that the poor people could come in afterwards and pick up that leftover food so they could have for their family. Now, if you worked for them, you had to put all of those crops in a basket pick up the basket, and carry it to the barn. Now, if you were an hourly wage worker, I don't know about you, 
I don't go out to the gym at all, okay? We are not buddies. I very much lack upper body strength. So I don't think that would fill up my basket that full, okay? Because I have to lift it up, carry it all the way to the barn, and then come back and do it again until harvest is over. But if your family was struggling for food and you knew that they were going to come right behind you and pick up whatever fell out of your basket, how full would you fill it up? I'm sure you would fill it up, you would press it down, you would put on some more and pile on some so that when you're walking, there would be plenty left behind for your family to come pick up and feed and eat. Now, if you're like, okay, I don't understand farming, how many of you like ICs? Icy people, thank you. Convenience store, 7-Eleven, multiple flavors, right. When you go to get your Icy, if you are like me, you walk up, you choose a flavor, you push it, you don't fill it all the way up. You grab your cup and you're like, get it to settle, pour some more, get it to settle, and then if you're smart, you get the lid with the little dome, you put it on top, and you fill it up until it's spilling just a little bit over the cup. And then if you're sneaky, you take your straw, put it in there, and you... And then you pour some more. Does anybody else admit to doing that? Oh, thank you. I'm not alone. Right? That's what it's like when God gives back to us. When you don't hold back and you give, God is able to multiply and give you even more. Listen, this is an if-then statement. I went to college and I had to take algebra and it sucked, okay? Because my professor talked about letters and not numbers and totally confused me. This man would walk up to the board, turn around so all I could see was his back and would talk to the board. And for the first, like, I don't know, forever, he was like, if P, then Q. And if not P, then not Q. And I'm like, this is algebra. Like, why are you giving me an English lesson? But in English, however, when there are if-then statements, it's if you do this, then this happens. Cause and effect. If. You obey the Lord your God. Then your basket will be full. It's an if and then. I love it. Listen, there was a widow in the Old Testament in 1 Kings 17, and she didn't have any bread. They were going through a drought. Food was scarce. And she's going to go. She's going to cook their last meal for her and her son to eat, and then they're going to die because there's no more. And Elijah comes up, and he's like, hey, Awesome, go for it, but make me some bread first. And this is her answer. She goes, listen, I only have a little bit of flour in my basket. And I'm going to use it to go cook, and then we're going to eat, and then we're going to die. And he's like, awesome, but first make me a cake. And this woman, listen, I don't know how she felt. I think she was either scared to death to be like, I'm going to trust this psycho guy that's coming over and I'm going to feed him first, and then we're going to eat less, and we're still going to die. I don't know how terrified she was. I don't know if she had given up and been like, you know what, I don't care. We're all going to die anyways. I might as well feed him. 
But she obeyed. And it was scary. And I don't, I don't even know how she did it. But you know what? After she was obedient, the Bible says that her basket was always full and that her oil never ran out until it started raining again. She had a basket mindset. There is enough. I have enough for me, for him. Jesus, in the New Testament, he was preaching. All of these people had followed him around, at least 5,000 men. We don't know how many women and children. And then the disciples are like, dude, no one packed a lunch. Everybody's hungry. Send them away. And there came a kid with a Long John Silver's basket. He didn't hold back. He gave extravagantly. And you know what? What he gave away and didn't hold back, God multiplied because that kid took home 12 baskets full. I don't know why God did 12. But can you believe it? You send your kid out. You know, hey, go play. Don't come back until it's dark. Here's your lunch. And he comes back. And there's these guys following him around. And they're carrying baskets. And you're the mom and you're like, what is this? And he's like, it's my leftovers. Why? Maybe they were poor. And that was a little bit of lunch that mom could send. But what he gave, God multiplied. And those baskets were full. They were full. He gave what he had without holding back. And God multiplied it. The last mindset we're going to look at is the barn mindset. And this is where I want to live. I'm not there yet, but this is where I want to live. That in God's kingdom, there is way more than enough. In God's kingdom, there is way more than enough. Listen to Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Now, I'm not a country person, but I have seen a barn. And those things are huge. And if that barn is filled and it's overflowing, it's a lot. It is a lot. But you know what the barn principle, what it centers on? That God is first in everything in our lives. Listen to it. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. First. Putting God first in our lives, where it's not about me. Where it's not all centered about me and what I want and what I need, but it's about God. Exodus 13.2, God is talking to them and he says, Dedicate to me the firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. So what does this mean? It's If you were a farmer and you had sheep and your sheep gave birth to a lamb, the very first one that he gave birth to, you gave to God. Okay, You didn't wait until you had 10 and then pick the runt of the family or the litter. It was the very first one. It was given to God. Later on in verse 13, it says, Redeem a lamb with redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Now, if you're like, yeah, what? Why? So back in the days, Israelites, they had two types of animals, clean animals and unclean animals. Okay? You 
had to purchase the right of an unclean animal to live. So if you wanted to keep your donkey, you would take another lamb and you would sacrifice it in its place. But if you didn't want to do that, then you would break its neck. I know, it's weird. But that's the way the Old Testament worked, okay? God had clean animals, unclean animals. You could not eat the unclean animals. And if you needed to keep an unclean animal, you had to redeem it. So, let's think about this. When we were born, were we born clean or unclean? We're born unclean, right? We are born with our sin nature. We are unclean from the beginning. But now who is Jesus? He was the firstborn. He was born sinless because he inherited his father's character, not a human father, but God. And he is called the Lamb of God. See, when God gave, God gave first. God is not asking us to do something that he hasn't done already. The Bible says that while we were still sinning, God gave his son to die for us, unclean people, sinful people. God gave first. Listen, God gave extravagantly. He didn't hold back. He fully gave. He gave Jesus, the Lamb of God, to redeem us from our sins. Why? Because he loved us. Because he loved us. Listen, the tithe isn't just giving 10%. It doesn't take any faith to give the last 10%. It doesn't take faith to give last after you've paid your bills. It takes faith to give first. To give first. It takes faith to put God first in your life. That everything that you do is centered not around you, but around God. It takes faith. Listen, tithing teaches us to trust God. It always makes me laugh when people are like, I am just praying that I can have more faith. I'm like, no, don't pray that. Do you know how faith gets strengthened? Do you know how faith grows? Through trials, through the hard times, the times when you have no clue what you're doing, what's going on, why this is happening. And you have to trust God to get you through it. It is during the hardest times of your life where faith grows. It is in making those difficult decisions of trusting God, of saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but here we go. I'm going to put you first. In giving, in living, it's going to be about you. Listen, it takes faith to believe that with God, 90% is going to go way further than 100%. This is the very first and only time when God invites us to test him. He says, test me and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you will not be able to contain it. I think God knew that this was going to be hard for us. And he said, test me. Try it out. Watch the blessings that are going to follow. Listen. It's hard. And I know it's hard because Jason and I have been there. I know Jason has told you the story when we very first gave extravagantly. It was a missions thing. We were at uh, 
district council, we are going there again, so I'm a little scared. But they were asking for partners for $1,000, and that's all we had in our savings, and our bank account was extremely low, and we had bills and stuff coming up. And Jason turns to me, and he's like, I really feel like we need to give $1,000. And before he said that to me, I had been struggling internally, going, God, please don't tell him to give $1,000, because that's all we have. And then he turns to me, and he tells me that, and he's crying, and I'm like, Okay, like I didn't want to, I'll be honest, I did not want to. I knew what our finances look like and my answer was no. I'm like, call us, to, call us to the mission field, I will go. Send me anywhere. And God's like, no, 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 this is what you need to do. So we were obedient and we gave. And it was hard. And then you know what? After we did it, it's like, okay, we can do that. You get comfortable because you're like, okay, I'm generous. I can be generous. I trusted God. He came through. Awesome. And then years later, we are standing right here and we are talking about the blessed life. And it has taken Jason and I years to build up our savings account. We had $10,000 in savings, which was a miracle. We don't know how we did it, but God had blessed us. And there it was in the bank. And we're talking about how much is God asking you to give. And you know what? We finished praying in the altars, and Jason goes back and sits down, and that stinker turns to me, and he's like, I think we need to give it all. And I'm like, kidding me? I'm like, are you sure? All? Like, all? And I was like, well, maybe half. Like, let's talk about this after church, okay, when it's just me and you and there's not. And he's like, okay. So listen, we struggled with this. We drove to Starbucks. That's our go-to place. And as we're driving, we're talking back and forth. And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, well, we even called one of our mentors, okay? And we explained our dilemma to him. And in his wise and just years of experience, he goes, well, pray about it and see what God tells you. If you give half and that's not enough, then give it all. And we're like, great, that was no help. And so we're driving to Starbucks and we keep having this conversation. And I'm like, you know, half is a lot more than we have ever given. Like, surely that's enough. And in our drive, my husband turns to me and he goes, if we're struggling about it, we are wrong. Because we know that God is calling us to give all of it. And we're trying to barter our way down to make ourselves feel better. I was like, I hate you when you're right. I hate it. <laughs> like dang it and you know what we did we gave it all we actually we had turned in a check for half of it and I don't remember if we called Kelly or if we just came back and like threw that check away and wrote it for the full amount I want to stand here and tell you that God has returned it all to us he hasn't okay he hasn't after that as a matter of fact we get phone call after phone call that our rent house in Nacogdoches is having issues. It had a water leak or a gas leak or some kind of leak, and it was so much money to spend to fix it, and then something happened, and then we needed new tires for both of our vehicles, and the list went on and on. And we're like, darn. But we were obedient. We gave. And now we were stressing out again. 
And it was like, you know what? It'll be okay. It will be okay. And somehow or another, we managed to make every single one of those payments and still be able to pay our bills. Now, our bank account has not changed, okay? Savings is still like, okay? But listen, God doesn't work that way, all right? God doesn't, if you give, you can't expect to turn around and find that same amount in your mailbox or on the floor or someone give it to you. That's not how God works. When you're extravagant in giving, it's more than financial blessings. God has blessed us with you guys. You are our blessing. God has blessed us with Pastor Will, who has come in and done an incredible job at youth. God has blessed us with Pastor Whitney back there, rocking it out in Kids Church. God has blessed us with our worship team, who every single week get up here and rock it out. God has blessed us with nursery workers. God has blessed us with you guys who give and who invest and who continue to impact the kingdom of God here in Mejia. God has blessed us with health. God's blessing us with our jobs. God is blessing us. Listen, our parents, thank God, Jason's mom, this is the second time she has had breast cancer and has beat it. God has blessed us because even though Jason's dad, his prognosis with his cancer and his lungs is not good, he's still here. He is here. When they told us that he was going to pass away in months, he's still with us. God has more than abundantly blessed us. And we trust and believe that he will continue to do it. And we won't know how or why. But one day we'll look back and we'll be like, oh my God, God has really come through for us. In ways that we will never even possibly imagine. God has blessed us with healthy children. They're crazy. Don't get me wrong. Okay? But they're healthy. Whenever we put God first, blessings follow. Listen, why do we speak about this? It's like, why do you even talk about generosity again? Do you want to know why? It's because we love you. We want you to walk in God's blessings. We want you to experience God's blessings in your life. To grow in your faith. We have walked it out with you guys. Listen, trust me, I know. I know how scary it is. We have been there. I, I am completely honest with you. When I tell you when Jason first said give, I said no twice. But you know what? Walking in obedience is something that we have never regretted. When we put God first in our lives, in our finances, in our family, in everything that we do, the blessings of God follow. In church, we want you guys to walk in the blessings of God. Why? Because that's what God wants. He wants you to be blessed. I think it'll be a sad moment in heaven when we get there 
And God's like, you know, I had all these blessings for you, but you missed out because you were not obedient. You missed out because you were not obedient. So this morning, if you find yourself going, you know what, I really do need to, God is really convicting me here. I have a bag mindset where there's never an enough. But I want to have a barn mindset when it says, with my God who owns the cattle in a thousand hills, who has heaven paved with a street of gold, there is more than enough. And I want to start honoring God in every area of my life. This is your chance. So let's pray and let's commit that to God right now. God, we are so thankful, Lord, that you are the God of more than enough. Father God, help us, O Lord God, see our finances, God, as an extension of your blessings, God, that all that we have belongs to you, Lord, that we are simply the stewards of it. God, we want to live extravagantly irrational, generous lives that honor you, that are all about you, Lord. That's what we want to do, God. That is our desire, Lord, to please you, to be more like you, God. Lord, you gave and did not hold back. Father, mold our hearts so that we will be the same, that we will give without holding back. This morning, if you are here and you're saying, you know what, I have never even given God my life. I haven't even followed him. I haven't even taken that first step. It's okay, God gave first. God already gave and paid for your salvation. God in his extravagant love is just waiting on you to say this morning, I want to give my life to God. If that is you, will you raise your hand for me? Awesome, by that token, I am going to assume that everybody here has accepted Christ as their savior. So God, we are so thankful for our church family, Lord. Father God, I pray that today, Lord, as we meet in life group at 6 o'clock, oh Lord God, as we join together, oh Lord, to have fun, oh Lord God, that you will be with us, Lord. Father God, as we leave this place, Lord, let us be extravagantly generous, God. Lord, let us not live our lives and waste it by being selfish, Lord. Father God, remind us to put you first in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen.